Hey, so back with another episode of your favorite podcast, Butch in the Morning. Um, chilling in the sunroom, had a good workout, and we are gonna delve into some things. I was thinking about uh, what to do for this podcast because I've just been. I've been on my notes app, podcast ideas, but I just haven't been feeling it up with anything good. Um, I'm just looking at it now. I have this one from <laughs> a couple weeks ago. This is such a stupid... Okay, why do Quakers have their own oats? <laughs> because during one of the... I don't. It wasn't the Super Bowl, so it must have been the AFC or NFC Championship. Uh, Quaker Oats is the official oat sponsor of the NFL. That's what they said on one of their things. <laughs> and I thought, first of all, it's the most, it's the silliest thing to have an oat sponsor. <laughs> like, what are, we, what are we, a bunch of horses? But um, the official oat sponsor, I mean, congrats. I didn't know there's another oat company, except for steel milled oats, but that's just a process of milling the oats, so whatever. Um... But it's uh, but Quaker is a religion, I believe, as much as it is a cultural thing, a way of life. Quakers, I mean, they're a religious sect. Um, so why do they get to be like they're the only religious sponsor of the NFL? I if I had to, I can't think of any other, except for those Jesus commercials. You see those during the um, during the Super Bowl. That was a bit much. But, um, I mean, speaking as a Jew, of course, um, but I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous that Quakers get their own oats, um, and they get to sponsor the NFL. Um, I mean, Jews, I'm sure we're not, you know, unfamiliar with how to make oats, but, um, I guess we don't, you know, that's not our avenue to make some money. Um... Although Jewish oats, I heard, were a good investment, so do that up. Uh, Palestinian oats. Um, they're like the oats that have been in the cabinet for years, but um, you pull them out, you take them out of the cabinet, you put the Jewish oats in, and you tell the Palestinian oats to just fuck off. And then, um, you know, I don't know, it's kind of it. A little rant on oats. Um, but for the remainder of this podcast, which I'll try to keep it relatively quick, um, I just figured I would look up philosophical questions and then answer them as <laughs> straightforward as I can with my divine wisdom. So um, I pulled one up, uh, scienceofthepeople.com, and we're just going to, they have a list of questions, and we're just going to run through it, and I'll try to give quick answers. And, you know, see how you would answer some of these questions. Hmm. All right, let's start off number one. What is the difference between good and bad people? Uh, that's easy. I mean, I'm not even going to try to make these jokes. I think I'm just going to answer them. Uh, good people are kind and compassionate, I think, or empathetic. Good people are empathetic. Bad people are selfish and then you can 
uh, diverge from that with many other synonyms and actions. Is it essential to be a good person? No, obviously not. Simple. I mean, think about... Okay, so Louis C.K. has a joke about slavery being bad is like his initial thought. But maybe, he goes, after he says that, um, every major human achievement was done on the backs of slaves. So, is it essential to be a good person? No, because some of, like, you know, what about we traversed... um, the U.S. with a transcontinental railway. Well, how did we do that? We just barely paid Chinese people and threw them in caves and gave them dynamite. So, no, you don't have to be a good person. I think it helps, but then you won't get much done. Uh, what makes people feel more attached to some people than others? Um, that's simple. Common interests. And physical attraction as well as energy, if you want to go into that weird way. Some people, you match their energy. Is tribalism or looking out for others like you innately good, bad, or neutral? Um, Depending on how far along your society is with technology. Tribalism is great if you're exploring the world as a group of Neanderthals, But tribalism is bad if you are a 21st century society. Easy. Next question. If one existed apart from other humans, would they still value goodness? Uh, For a while. Um, Depends, you know, if a baby was raised. I mean, I don't know how. But say a child has grown up like the... uh, What's the the kid from the Jungle Book? You know, if you're raised, would you still have the human values? Uh, Some of them. I don't know. That's tough. But if you're if you take an adult and just throw them out into you know the wilderness and say live here for the next five years, I think they would still have uh, some good qualities, goodness. But then you know you have to survive. So if you va- if goodness is also to yourself, then sure. I don't think that goes away. Are some people more important than others? 100%. Um, As a global community, of course, some people are more important than others. Smarter people, uh, people with the ability to get things done. Um, Just your average citizen isn't that important on a global scale, but there are people that uh, reach that echelon of global importance, especially to mankind. So, yeah. Um, Is the death penalty right or wrong? I don't think the state should be allowed to kill people unless under its own protection, hence why cops can uh, shoot people that are trying to attack them. But once you already caught the guy, just put him in a prison. I mean, give him a life sentence, then that's the same thing. It's more expensive to give someone the the death penalty and, and actually go through with it than it is to just lock them up in prison for their life. And you may think, how is that the case? Well, death row is expensive as it is, but then the the actual... Like, once you just say you're sentenced to death, that's not, that's not it. There's, like, years and years of appeals and uh, paperwork and processes that have to be done 
to make sure like you're killing the right person and that costs a lot of money so it might be right um, but I think it's wrong for a society to do because it's a waste of money um, sorry my uh, sister walked into the room so I deposit let's get back into a wonderful podcast we have going on right now um, what is wisdom? All right, I'm done with these fucking questions. Um, when babies are born, are they good? Well, they're not racist. I know that, but um, uh, good? No, because they don't even know what good is. Um, they're instinctual, I believe, and so that goes back to uh, just life in general. If they're born in isolation I think they there are some good qualities just based off of how our species survived all these years I think that's gonna uh, affect you is lying ever a good thing yeah all right enough with regular philosophy let's get into space questions here we go this is where the money is made um, are there different types of black holes technically yes uh, slow or fast spinning um i guess what they mean is fundamentally different um in which case i would say no i'd say they all are fundamentally the same um and the differences in them are just descriptive are they large small are they moving or are they generally stationary like for example the giant black hole in the center of our milky way I would say that's stationary even though the whole milky way as an object is moving there are black holes inside the milky way that move throughout the milky way so um i don't know where i was going with that but there i would say that they're all the same uh can a star turn into a planet can a star which is a burning nuclear reaction turn into a planet um if it goes supernova no um if if it implodes into a black hole post supernova then no but a white dwarf a dwarf star gets so condensed and so small that it could be like the size of the earth with the mass of a sun so would that then turn those like hot gases hydrogen and helium or just hydrogen i guess um would that turn those into would hydrogen turn like condense into a solid maybe the gas becomes so condensed that it acts like a solid but then i don't think it would fit into a planetary description because a planet is something that we created as a term so planet is a rocky object that that revolves around a sun so can a star turn into that and then maybe a binary star interesting question i don't know can gravity form waves uh yeah we know that one uh we detected that so this is an old list that's a cool thing if you haven't uh listened to that or seen that yet um about a hundred years ago 
Um, I don't know. I believe it was Einstein that said that gravitational waves are real. Um, and uh, he predicted it with the math, and the math checked out. But there's just we didn't. There's no way to ever detect that back then. Until recently, there was LIGO. I believe that's the name, LIGO. Imagine um, a building underground in the shape of a capital L or a V, just a, a, a big V with a right angle. Um, it's about a mile or two, like two kilometers long, each uh, branch of it, and it has a very precise laser going both directions and it hits a mirror and it comes back and then it's received by some sort of computer type thing. The only way to detect uh, gravitational waves is if there was a, um, a difference in how long it took the uh, laser to get down and back. And obviously a, a laser is moving at the speed of light, so um, these are very tiny numbers they're looking at, very quick speeds. And the gravitational wave passed through it, and it shortened, physically shortened the distance in space and time, like compressing space and time, so that the laser came back and came back at a shorter time than it should have. It was quicker, it traveled quicker because there's less space for it to go through. But if you want to know how, uh, how big of a uh, shift that was, what happened was, um, if you picture a proton, it was uh, how much it condensed space and time was, I think, like half of a radius of a proton, or even less than that. So, I mean, we're talking about like the Planck scale here, which is like the smallest scale you can work on in physics. And But it happened, so that's cool. Uh, does every black hole contain a singularity? Hmm. Yes. I mean, our understanding of our understanding of black holes, I would have to say that sure, there has to be a singularity, which is what describes a black hole. It's event horizon and the fact that everything ends at a point in space with no defined um uh what's the word, I guess. It has mass, but it has no volume or area has no area to it. So it doesn't take up any space, but it has infinite mass. So that's interesting, but I would say all black holes have that. Does sound travel faster in space? Sound does not travel through a vacuum. Sound is a, uh, I know this, a longitudinal wave that propagates through a medium. Um, think about a compression wave. Think about an explosion, you know. It compresses and it moves through the air until it hits you. Think about a sound wave doing that. It has to travel through something because a sound wave is not like a, a light wave or a, um, anything on the electromagnetic spectrum. It is just when you take something in one place and you affect what's in between um, the, what's making the sound and what's receiving the sound. You need something in between or else, I mean, that's obvious, right? That's simple shit. But I think there was something that came out um, like 10 years ago, less, when I was in college, that like philosophical, like um, astrophysical people were like, oh, maybe sound does travel through space, but 
Um, I think uh, as our basic understanding is it doesn't. Does the influence of gravity extend out forever? Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to go off what I do know is that there are two types of gravity, uh, pulling and repulsive. We know about the pulling gravity. The repulsive gravity is theoretically possible. And our only possible way of knowing if it's real or not is that the universe is accelerating in its expansion. Um, and that's also possibly how we got inflation in the early universe to go from the size of the head of a needle to the uh, visible universe in uh, 1 times 10 to the negative 32 seconds. So those are both types of gravity, but do they extend out forever? I would say that repulsive in this question, repulsive gravity would extend out forever until whatever is causing the expulsive gravity, expulsive gravity is uh, changed. And how you get repulsive gravity is a field of energy that, imagine um, you're boiling water in a pot and you know all the bubbles. Imagine that's like a field of energy, like highs and lows and troughs and peaks. And But imagine um, you're boiling the water and it's just flat for an instant, like, like you're sitting with a cup of water and just the flat top of the water. But it's technically boiling. Like that's theoretically possible because just the, the, on the just the law of large numbers, it has to happen at least once. So think about that in the universe. A field of energy creates. It could be like the size of like your thumb, and it creates um, an even field for just an instant. And in that instant, then you get the universe. That's what they think happened with the Big Bang. Um, the gravity that pulls things together imagine a tennis ball next to a planet they both pull on each other but the planet is so big that it's completely nominal the effect that the tennis ball would have on the planet but it still technically has an effect mathematically it doesn't theoretically it does um would that extend forever i think um Yes, I would say yes. If you have an empty space, imagine the universe was empty except for one planet or two planets. I think those would eventually find each other. Um, that's a good question. I'm curious now. Have aliens ever visited Earth? I would say that's unlikely. Not impossible, but unlikely. Um, unlikely because there would be evidence of it. And I don't mean evidence like the pyramids. I mean, like, there would be evidence in space. We could see a fair amount of space now. We have great viewing technology that there should be evidence of them in the universe, either a giant structure or the effect that an advanced civilization like that that could travel to another planet because there's no, nothing is near us, so they would have to come from far away. If they could do that in short time frames, um, then they, that would have a, a visible effect on the things around them. So it's possible. Have, ex have astronomers ever observed a violent shift like they have blue shifts and red shifts? Well, I would say that it's possible. Um, 
I just don't know what it would be. Because that's a, a shift on the light spectrum. Um, think about a cop car driving towards you. And it gets higher in, I think, tone or pitch. And then as it's going away, so it's like wee wee wee, and then it gets higher, and then as it's going away, it sounds lower in pitch. Um, that's how it happens in sound. When we look at, like, say, a star moving towards us, you look at the light, and it is uh, blue shifted, which just means that very, very smallly, in a, in a very small way, it is uh, shifted towards ultraviolet on the, you know, ultraviolet to uh, re infrared spectrum of light. Red shifts are the exact opposite of that. Uh, things moving away from us are shifted towards the red. Is there another way to shift in, I don't know, in light? But no, because there's only one visible light spectrum. Maybe is there a shift in gravity, a gravitational shift? Well, waves, gravitational waves shift the gravity. I don't know. Um, let's find a good one here. How can astronomers know things for certain since they only look at space from one vantage point? Um, math, easy. It's like, how do we know far? It's just formulas that work, and they work all the time, and they are standards. Like big G in physics class. We know the gravitational constant. Someone smarter than any of us found it out, and it always works. So math is the answer. But... I mean, that's a fair question. Certain things you can't know from one vantage point, probably. Like, it took them years to photograph a black hole, because you need to be at the perfect vantage point to see it. You need stuff behind the black hole, you need stuff around it to make it create a silhouette on the background. And maybe that's not possible for other things. Um... Hmm, how can you cancel out the jolt of a quick start? Uh, interesting. What they mean by the jolt of a quick start is the force you feel like you're accelerating. Um, I don't think you'll ever not have that sensation. Because if you're accelerating, like imagine you're in a spaceship, you get thrown to the back of the ship, you know? Say there's no chairs, you're just standing there, and the ship accelerates. Um, then you're going to be hitting the back of the ship very fast. I don't think you could get rid of that. Um, because that happens in space. That's just, a, that's just what happens from acceleration. I don't, that has nothing to do with gravity. So you could be far away from things, that's still going to happen. If you are weightless then sure, but then you can't be anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like maybe, sure, photons can not experience um, the jolt of a quick start, but I mean, that's just weird. All right, um, how do spaceships fly faster than light? Uh, physically and theoretically and mathematically still impossible. Um, you can't travel faster than light. What we may be able to do is travel a further distance using a shortcut than light on its own. So say 
um, uh, wormholes. Maybe if there's a way to bend gravity in a certain way that we could travel on that path um, and get to a destination in a quicker time than it would have taken a beam of light to get there from the same starting point, traveling a normal way. But you can't travel faster than light because your mass at that speed would become infinite and then it, it's just impossible. Hmm. How do ships make artificial gravity? They spin. Easy. Um, how do stars move when viewed from a speeding spaceship? There's a formula to make sure that well I mean depending on it depends how far the star is from you if you're on a spaceship and you're looking at something that's like a billion light years away that's gonna stay in the same ex like exact spot according to your eyes um, because it's so far away that the you know create a triangle or create a straight line from you to something that far away um, and then move your spaceship which is at the bottom of this line like one-tenth of a millimeter to its left I mean that star is that that it's not gonna change um, now something very close to you then then you just do like okay how does a house move when you're speeding past it on a road so it all depends on how far away it is um, how does looking at distant galaxies allow us to look back in time? That's easy. It takes the light from those galaxies time to get to us. So everything we see is in the past. I mean, even if you look in the mirror, that's you in the past. Um, we never see anything as it happens in real time. Because the light has to get to us. Oh, but that's interesting. Do we think in real time? Oh, here we go. I think I just stumbled onto something. Because, well, no, because the thoughts that we have would be um, affected by, I don't know, whatever scientific laws deal with electricity, because that's all that is. But, all right, that's an interesting question to think about. Is a black hole a 2D or 3D object? Uh, 3D. Because I think it's a sphere. Um, as soon as you enter it, it looks 2D. When you're looking at it, you know, if you look at a picture of a black hole, it looks like a two-dimensional object, but it's essentially just a sphere. Um, hmm. Is Pluto a planet? <laughs> That's not a good science question. That's a question we answered. And a planet, again, is just a, a thing we termed. It has nothing... A planet is not a naturally occurring thing, if you think about it like that. Like, a photon is a thing. Like, it, sure, we named it a photon, but a planet is just a classification. That's the way I'll put it. So you could have Pluto put a lot of rocks, more rocks on it, make it the size of Neptune, then, yeah, it's a planet. But as it is now, it's just a big asteroid. What keeps space empty? Hmm. Why is space empty? That's a good... Probably gravity. Gravity pulled everything into its own little neighborhood. 
and there's nothing left. But, you know, when you think about space as a vacuum, there's still stuff in space. Like, sure, you can't breathe in space because there's not a big, dense cloud of oxygen around you. But there's still, like, an oxygen molecule, like, floating by. There's still, like, um, a helium, you know, molecule, like, zipping that way. Like, there's still stuff in space. There's still movement and activity in space. But at a, at a gr- such a low scale um, to anything we're used to that it's empty. So I would say that's gravity. What keeps the sun spinning? Hmm. Conservation of momentum. I'll go with that. <laughs> I don't have an answer. What makes space so cold? Um, the fact that there's nothing. So space is cold because cold and hot are just, um, are not, again, are like a real thing. Um, cold and hot are what we call the speed at which molecules group together um, vibrate and move. So if you have a block of ice, if you look at that at an atomic scale, they're vibrating very slowly. And then you look at boiling water, they're vibrating a lot, crazy. So you don't have that. If you just have like one molecule, you c- because it's an, it's an average of all the molecules, billions and trillions of molecules averaged out, that gives you a temperature and then our bodies feel that, and then we call it hot or cold. Space doesn't have a, a density of uh, gas or solid or liquid to get a uh, what a uh, an average of temperature. So I don't think um, I think that's why space is so cold. But now I'm curious, what's the temperature of space? The baseline temperature of outer space is set by the background radiation from the Big Bang is 2.7 Kelvin, negative 450 degrees Fahrenheit. Very cold, because 0 Kelvin, or 1 Kelvin, I'm not sure which one, is absolute 0. No, 0 Kelvin, absolute 0. That's where there's no molecular movement. But what they're saying is um, the initial blast of the Big Bang, all that radiation, plus starlight is still hitting you, photons are still hitting you. So it's not absolutely, it's not the coldest thing theoretically imaginable. But, I mean, it's just, it's right there. It's right next to it. Um, what makes the Great Wall of China the only man-made object visible from space? Um, its size and where it is located. Um, all right, let's do one more. Uh, sorry, I went long, guys, but I was so interested in space. Um, hmm. Hmm. Why doesn't the Earth fall down? That's another just... That's a language-based question. Falling down means falling towards something. So do they mean like on the plane? Because if you look from outside the solar system, we're all in line pretty much, like the rings of Saturn. Think about that. Saturn's the sun, and the rings are the planets. It's like a flat, circular disk. That, I think, is just because of some gravitational phenomenon where things, sorry, where things like to um, just be in a line in a simple orbit like that. So why don't we fall towards the sun? That's an interesting question. It's because um, all planets do this. We're in a sweet spot. Um, Think about, I don't know how to word this right. Think about you're stretching a 
no, it's hard, it's hard to say. Just we are falling towards the sun constantly. But we're also being spun around the sun. Um, think about your, you have a rock on a string and you're throwing it like around your head, like in a lasso type motion. You're spinning it around like a helicopter. Technically, that rock is falling towards you, but it has so much momentum in the outward direction that it's staying in that spot. Now imagine there's no rope and you are the sun and the rock is the uh, planet Earth. It's falling towards the sun. It's coming towards you at every single moment, but at the same exact moment, it's flying away. So it's this equal balance between falling towards the sun and flying away from the sun that keeps it in a round orbit. There we go. All right. That's a lot of questions. I think we did good here. Um, I know it was a bit of a weird podcast. Um, I'll try to, you know, I'm not going to try to do anything. I'm just going to have fun with these and do whatever I want. And if you listened for 33 minutes and 20 seconds, then God bless you. Um, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's on SoundCloud as well. So you can find me, Butch in the Morning, on SoundCloud. And you can leave a comment if you think I'm an idiot. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, then, you know, don't. And just enjoy it. And then leave your thoughts to yourself. Um, yeah, that's it. All right. I'm going to go. Um, that's about it. Oh, I'm talking to this new girl, Gab, Gabriella on Hinge. She's pretty awesome. Now we're talking over the phone, but um, yeah, it's going well. So I'll let you guys know next. We're going to have our first date Tuesday, so I'll let you guys know how that goes. All right, see you guys.